0: What does it mean to be really you? What's the superpower? What differentiates Ty from all the other 20, 30 million business owners in the United States? The hundreds of millions of people on social media. And to the extent that you do that and find that, LaVar's probably right. That's how you do big things. While I'm getting ready to go to bed, I thought I would leave a quick diary style conversation with you, a little talk. I used to do these, I haven't done one in a while, but just what's on my mind in the world and life and Bitcoin and business and personal and struggles and successes. So don't mind me, I'm finishing up brushing my teeth here and uh, I'm actually in Palm Springs. So first thing that's been on my mind is the power of a catch-up Retreat, Not like ketchup like mustard, but catching up on things. Basically, it's simple. Once a month, at the minimum, I find I must, must, must travel 50 to 100 miles from my house, get a hotel room, doesn't have to be fancy. I bring some on my team, but you could do it alone. And I just go as long as I need to, and catch up with stuff, whether it be reading. I've been catching up on some marketing campaigns I've been wanting to build for my business, some Google AdWords, Facebook. Ah, Settling the bed here. Um, And I just think that if you try this, it is one of the most life-changing kind of daily routine innovations I've ever come up with. It is a game-changer. If you look back over the last 12 months, think of all the things you almost, almost, almost got done but just couldn't quite finish them. It's because you needed a little retreat. So I've been retreating here in Palm Springs. I've been doing it for years. I launched most of my new products, my new businesses by coming here for three to five days. I think the best place to go is somewhere that's somewhat rural. The idea is get away from distractions. Don't go towards a big city. Don't go to Las Vegas. Don't you know? Unless you have tremendous self-discipline, don't go to New York City. Don't go to L.A. I've tried it in San Diego. I have a beach house there. Um, it doesn't work quite as well because San Diego is still a relatively big city. So the whole idea is go somewhere where even if you feel like you should go get distracted, you can't, because there's nothing there. So Palm Springs is pretty much, I work, go out to eat, maybe see a movie, come back, think, read, laugh, take naps, catch up on things. So you can literally do this, you know, when you don't have much money. In fact, the less money you have, the more imperative it is to do this. You should bring your yellow notepads, some books, Bill Gates does these. He calls them reading vacations. He catch up catches up on 20 or 30 books he hasn't read. He goes for a week or two. He talks about it on his Bill Gates blog. Now, that's the first little thought that's in my daily diary. Man, I wish someone had told me this a long time ago. I wish I've been doing this my whole life. You know, to me, this is um, not. I mean, it's. As, let me put it this way. It's as necessary as going to the gym and working out. You know, you realize you don't go to the gym, you don't exercise, your body slowly degrades. In the same way, you don't do one of these retreats, these thinking, catching up retreats. Slowly but surely, the busyness of life, the procrastination builds up till you'll never catch up. You just will never catch up and then you'll have a life of massive regret. So try it. Can't afford a flight, get in a car. Drive, 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 drive till you can't drive anymore and you're in the middle of nowhere. Bring a, you know, go alone or bring a team with you, bring some people with you. I, I tend to bring people with me in that and do well. If you, you know, if you can't afford it, make sure you have some friends that can pay for their own way. Um, I, you know, if you have a business, if you're an entrepreneur, it's usually tax deductible. Take some of the key people in your team that you've kind of been losing touch with, bring them with you. It could be a bonding experience. You can do some fun stuff. You can go hiking. You can, you know, there's just so much to do. But it's insane how much I get done. And I usually go anywhere from two days to this trip will be almost six days, five to five days. Uh, I left Friday, planning to get back Wednesday or Thursday. So that's the first thing on my mind. I'd say the second thing is on my mind. I posted a tweet and I said, laziness, this is what kills most of our hopes and dreams. Some form of it, whether it comes from procrastination, the anxiety that builds up when we procrastinate, which is just a different variation on on laziness. And sometimes I was reading this book by this Jocko guy. He's a, he's a, I think he's a former Navy SEAL and a UFC guy. He's got a big podcast show. And one of the things he said is, don't think about it. If you got something to do and it's hard to do, just go. Just get up. Don't think about the pain. When you start thinking about the pain, you start to Just become somewhat, I hate to use the word robot, because it's kind of a negative connotation. but Sometimes that's what you have to be. And it reminded me of this saying, when I used to live at the Amish, um, there was a guy named Jake Martin, and I want to see if I can find this um, quote he told me. I'm going to read it to you in, in German. So it says, uh, <coughs> this is a dialect that the Amish speak. Frisch ans, Werk und sei mir nicht, arbeit ist die erste Flickt, Fange du nur on an... And that means fresh to work and don't hesitate. Work is your first duty. Go out with zeal before you know you're halfway done. And the key to remember there is just the beginning of the day, just do the hard thing. Don't hesitate. It's your duty to do what you got to do. Just get excited. Jump into it. One of the simplest ways to take this German and translate it into a few words is, when you have something hard to do, jump into it, and the next thing you know, you're almost done. And that's really the way to deal with laziness, procrastination. And that kind of ties in with these trips that I go on that are somewhat, you know, avoidance of lady, laziness, avoidance of having in your back of your head, ooh, I should have finished that book, ooh, I need to take a nap, ooh, I need to work out more, ooh, I need to launch that you know new business idea, ooh, I need to do some changes on my website, like all those things that you have in life. And I know you, know, you might have a different situation from me, you might have kids and this, and then bring them with you, you know, if that's possible. If not, find a way. And like this saying says in the Amish German, you know, it's your duty that that's maybe how laziness is overcome. Just go, you know what? I don't feel like doing this, but it's kind of like my duty. So anyway, that's a random thought I've been thinking about. The third thing I've been thinking about is one of the things about procrastination. I read an interesting book and it evades me right now what the name of the, the freaking book is, but it basically says when scientists study procrastination you know there's different things there's laziness that's why we procrastinate we just don't have a strong enough will when there's some friction so we just put it off till tomorrow but some of it is a fear of isolation and loneliness some of the projects we think we have to do we've been putting off it's because humans are social beings and not everyone this isn't true we have there's extroverts and introverts and people who get reward and, or pain from other people being around. But at least 50% of the population, one of the ways to overcome procrastination is to do things in a group. If you're procrastinating on losing weight, procrastinating on on going to the gym, if you're procrastinating on jogging, if you're procrastinating on launching a business, it's in part for many of us because we're thinking, oh, I got to do it all on my own. You know, I was working on this big marketing project. We're launching all these new Google AdWords campaigns and displays and, and Facebook excuse me, Facebook ads and I'm like let's just have eight of us do it and we just all sat there around one laptop it's almost like camaraderie, we're joking around and the next thing you know, we're done with the project many hands make light work it's an old saying my first mentor, Joel Salatin, would tell me you know so one of the ways to overcome laziness regret, procrastination I guess maybe that's what this whole talk is about Didn't mean it that way, but, you know, first practical tip, take a business or a, I should say, a catching up retreat. Second thing is see things as your duty that doesn't have to feel good and just jump into them without thinking. The third thing is if that still doesn't work, try doing it in the old, good old buddy system. Build a business with somebody else, you know you got you gotta need to do some repairs in your house and you've been putting it off invite a buddy to do it with you there is power in social groups there's motivation in the proper social structure you know structure your friendships structure your business a lot of power off subject i just launched or changing the subject i should say I just this is, I guess is number four point of this talk. I just launched a new podcast radio show. It's called it's it's called the uh, Bitcoin Crypto Mentor Mastermind. For all you hearing about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and blockchain and and Ethereum and Litecoin and all this, well, I am going out finding. Uh, well, I've been doing this, but I'm I haven't been sharing it publicly been finding the best mentors creating a mastermind i did one back at my house 33 of the top crypto experts came to my house and i've been jetting around all around the u.s and flying people in and going to visit them and some of these are the best of the best you know brock pierce who's the the chairman of the bitcoin foundation and one of the biggest probably i don't know top three most respected people speakers and The cryptocurrency world. He was episode one. I went and interviewed him and then so you can look for it. It's on iTunes. I think we'll have it up on Spotify here soon. But it's a fascinating world. This Bitcoin blockchain, by the way, it's a lot bigger than Bitcoin. I just tweeted just now, Litecoin, which is one of the, you know, top five biggest coins, is has jumped from, you know, it's basically gone up from 90 to, let me look at what it is right now, actually, so I can give you the exact, it's crazy. I mean, the money that's being made right now, I had a buddy who told me, he's a trader, he's been trading. He made 400, uh, sorry, he made $4.5 million this week trading. Okay, Litecoin was at 90 some, and now Litecoin's at... 307 right now. It's insane. In under a week, it's gone up from ninety five dollars to 307. So you want to be learning about this. If people are wondering if it's a bubble, if it's this, it's probably it may be in a bubble. But these new forms of currency, which are not U.S. dollars, they're not euros, they're not gold, they're not silver, they're electronic. You could almost Brock told me in, in my first interview with him that. Think of these things a little bit like virtual or digital, I should say, gold. You know, they're stores of value and they can be traded, and there's a limited amount of Bitcoin. And depending on which other currency you look, there's about 2,000 other currencies uh, besides Bitcoin. The largest are Ethereum and Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash. But you want to learn about these things. For those of you who are skeptical, you still want to learn about it. <laughs> you know, and remember, everything goes in a bubble. It Doesn't mean it's a scam. Real estate bubbled in 2008. The internet was in a bubble in the late 1990s, early 2000s. Uh, these are inevitable, but they do not necessarily mean they're the demise of these things. So, never be the first or last to learn about a new idea. That's what Alan Nation used to tell me. You don't want to be the first because sometimes then you're wasting your your you know time on things that'll never catch on. But you don't want to be the last. Cryptocurrency has been around for a solid almost ten years, so you're not early, you're not late. I asked Brock, "Do you think it's too too early to get into?" I'm sorry, too late to get into Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? And he said, "Well, I don't think so, but it might be too early. So if anything, we're probably early." So anyway, that's been on my mind. Go check out my my uh, subscribe and listen to that. I'm bringing in the best people that are mentoring me. And I'm sharing with you, a lot of these guys are secretive. They're very hard to get. Some of them made hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in the last year or so. They're not highly motivated to go out and share this stuff, but I'm calling in favors. They're like, yeah, would you mind? You know?" And so it's pretty cool stuff. It's very interesting. So if you're interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and want to learn how to make money with Bitcoin, I'm opening up a brand new Bitcoin Crypto Academy for you. Crypto is starting to fundamentally change everything from currencies to the very structure behind the Internet. And if you don't understand it, you will be left behind. To understand bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the blockchain and to make money with it so to sign up for my new bitcoin crypto academy and learn how to invest how to make money in this new exciting space i'm going to open up room for a few of you to have early access to the new online mentor mastermind so go to tylopez.com bitcoinpodcast to learn more so i'm testing the mastermind so i'm just going to let a few of you in at a low price I think I'll, I'll close with this thing: marketing. Whether you're an employee, an entrepreneur, unemployed, whatever you are, teenager, one, grow your social media. You need to understand and learn marketing. Alan Nation, you know, I speak on him a lot. My, my, really, my second mentor. He was the mentor of my first mentor, Joel Salatin. And Alan Nation was this guy that I met who mentored Joel Salatin. And he unfortunately died. I would have loved to have had him on my shows. Almost the most fascinating guy I've ever talked to, even to this day. And one of the things he told me is he said, you know, Ty, you can outsource a lot of your business, a lot of your life, but don't outsource marketing. Because only you will un- understand you. Only you will understand your business in the intricate and intimate Way that's necessary to convey a marketing message. So I don't know if you, you listened to my other episode recently. I interviewed LeVar Ball, who's, you know, his son plays for the Lakers and he's in the news almost every day. It was a feud on Twitter with the president of the United States, Donald Trump, and, and him. And and uh, I interviewed him actually twice at one game, one at halftime and one after the game. And It was funny, actually. Well, side note, the Lakers got mad and they they basically made a new rule for the whole stadium that you're no longer allowed to interview LeVar Ball in the family room, because I was in the family room where all the players and family go. And they got super pissed because LeVar Ball gets a lot of attention. And so they literally, the next day, it was the first thing I saw on Twitter news. Lakers outlaw interviews in the family room of the Staples Center. And I'm like, oh my God, that's because of me. I was hoping they didn't mention my name and go, because Ty was interviewing, I'm like, because I love the Lakers, I know Genie Buss, the owner, and I was like, please don't get me kicked out of the stadium, I love basketball. But anyway, they weren't apparently mad at me, they were just mad at LaVar. But when I interviewed him, I said, you know, LaVar, people say, I'm a great marketer, but I think you're better than me. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, I mean, your name's all over the place you don't even really use social media like I do. I use it more as a professional, you know, as a full-time, you're, and he's like, well, he was, I was very impressed, I have to say. LaVar I will tell you this, be very careful of judging people without personal interaction. So there comes a time when you have to make a decision on a person. What I've learned after, now I've lived in, in Hollywood for about 10 years, and you know, I, I wasn't—I was born in Los Angeles, but not the nice part, not the Hollywood, Beverly Hills part. I was born in Long Beach, and uh, when I was an older, adult, I came to Hollywood, and I thought it would be a certain way, and I—I I thought that the perception I had of these celebrities and these people would be what they were actually like when I met them, and then I like met them, and I was going, wait a second, you're nothing like the news says you're nothing like the media says, like magazines say you're you're nothing like this, like sometimes worse and sometimes better. And so what I've learned is it's okay to judge. Sometimes people say you should never judge. Well, that's not realistic. Your brain will always judge. Humans are built somewhat to judge whether we want to or not. We have to make decisions of who we keep in and out of our social circle, but Be careful judging without personal interaction. That's what I'm trying to say. When you personally interact with people, I don't know. It only takes me about five minutes of personal interaction to know what would have taken me 500 books and magazine articles and blog posts and news snippets to understand. So LeVar Ball is a lot. I liked him more. I I thought he was going to be an interesting guy, but... I liked them. I've always found these people that make it to the top tend to be better than you think. Toughest people you'll ever meet are the mid-level managers, the people who didn't really make it, who are not really that good. Because to get to the top, you have to have some social skills. You have to be somewhat nice, or else people will ostracize you. So I interviewed Lavard. and I said, you know, Lavar, what makes you so special and how you've marketed your sons and your sons at the Lakers and the star and one of the most famous basketball players in the world? And you've got these other sons at UCLA, now no longer at UCLA, but, you know, doing their thing, making their way in professional basketball. And he said, You know, Ty, you should actually go listen to it because I'm going to butcher what he told me. But I interviewed her for 10 or 15 minutes. He said, you just got to be you. And I've heard that so many times, right? It's kind of like a cliche, oh, you got to be you. Like, what does that even mean? Like, oh, you got to be you? And then I, I go, okay, I get it. what he was saying. Is you have to reach down into whatever small or large differentiating superpower you have. Small or large, differentiating superpower. And that's you, and you gotta ride that as far as you can go. That's what you market. So, at least that's what I took it. I'm reading between the lines, he didn't say those exact words, so I don't wanna put words in his mouth, but that's the meaning that I got from it in the sense that it's like, okay, Ty, if you listen the no far and you want to be better at marketing your ideas and products and your social media and your business enterprises, what does it mean to be really you? What's the superpower? What differentiates Ty from all the other 20, 30 million business owners in the United States, the hundreds of millions of people on social media? And to the extent that you do that and find that, LaVar's probably right. That's how you do big things. The trick is a lot of us go, well, I don't have a superpower. Well, theoretically, that could be a superpower. There's a lot of power in being an everyday ordinary person because people connect with everyday ordinary because most people consider themselves ordinary. So even that can be a marketing angle. You know, if you're selling your consulting services, if you're selling your social media marketing agency services, if you're doing e-commerce and making money online, yeah, just say, I'm an everyday ordinary person who learned how to do social media. And I empathize with you, Mr. Dentist, because you don't want some huge agency that's going to charge you $50,000 a month to do their social media marketing, you want somebody who is laid back, yet competent, an everyday ordinary person you can connect with that actually cares about your business and growing your business. And see, when you market that way, when you convey that, people don't refute it. They don't object to it. Whenever you do sales and marketing, people are always trying to look for objections Oh, I mean, I get it all the time. Oh, well, Ty, you know, you say this, but you have a Ferrari. Blah, 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 blah. People live, let me repeat, people live to find objections. We were talking earlier about laziness, procrastination. It's everywhere in the world. How do you feed and perpetuate laziness, perpetuation? You object to action. You go, oh, I'm not going to hire you because blah, 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 blah. I don't like your hair color, you know. Oh, well you 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 were 5 minutes late to this. Oh, like people will find objections to your marketing, to your social media if you're not a business owner, to your networking if you're just going out. They because people and humans are innately risk averse. Dr. David Buss was at my house. Some of you came to the I do these master plan seminars at my house. One day intensive, just bringing amazing teachers. And some of you should—I got one coming up. If you go to, I think it's tylopes.com/masterplan or slash seminar That's what I think it is. Anyway, if you go there, you can sign up for one. They're at my house, actually, open in my house. And I brought Dr. David Buss all the way from Austin, Texas, and he's this—you know—you hear me talk a lot about him. He's like premier evolutionary psychologist almost in history, most respected former professor at Harvard. We were talking about, you know, humans are stubborn. Humans are risk-averse. And I was asking him, like, why are humans stubborn? Because when you're doing your marketing, when you're pitching yourself, selling yourself, selling your product... If you got a regular job, if you're trying to get a raise, everything's a sale. You're marketing yourself, a product, a service. You know, you're marketing your talent, something. You will get in a job at McDonald's. You got to market yourself to get that job. That's what a resume is. A resume is like, oh, this is me marketing myself on a piece of paper. Read it real quick. And what he said was, the reason, because I, I stubbornness is a big problem. I'll do another talk on stubbornness one day, but stubbornness is really, in some ways, the root of even procrastination and laziness. And you can break stubbornness into what I call the four S's. You know, so you have self-importance, pride. You have sensitivity, where we don't like anyone to tell us what to do because we have sensitive emotions and everything hurts our feelings. And then you have you know, sensuality, which is we sometimes are stubborn because we're addicted to things, whether it be alcohol or food, or you know, these are addictions. So I put them under the third one of 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 uh, you know, the S. And those are somewhat; those are all. If you think of every problem in your life, it's rooted basically in stubbornness, and even you could call laziness under sensuality because. Wanting to feel good and just lay on the couch all day, that's a sensual, physical feeling you have. It's not like mentally it's hard to go to the gym. It's physically hard. So I was asking him, it's like, why are humans stubborn? Why do we have these things? And he goes, well, at some point in our life, a certain strategy that we took worked. And we think it'll always work. So maybe there's a time in your life, you know, where you were proud. And it worked out for you. You stood up for yourself. Somebody told you you were wrong. You said, no, I'm not. You were self-important. No, I am important. And it worked out. It was You were correct. And that happened to you eight years ago. And now every time somebody tries to correct you, oh, you know, oh, what do you mean? Like, and I'm not saying you, I'm just speaking to a group, us humans. And if you think about the things that have held you back in life, it's often rooted in that. A strategy that worked long ago, but as Bruce Lee said, you have to become like water and adapt to the cup. You have to adapt to every day. There's a day when you need to be lazy. There, I've seen people working too hard sometimes. They're literally, their adrenal glands are getting burnt out. If they did a saliva test, they were just burning themselves into the ground. And I'm like, why aren't you taking a nap? And they're like, no, 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 I got to go, go, go. And I know why, because years ago, it worked to never take a nap. Because at that time in your life, it was a successful strategy because you were extra busy and needed it. And so now you think that's the permanent state you should be in, but it's not. You have to be like water and adapt. And that's for me and you to understand, but when you do your marketing, you're dealing with the stubbornness of the world. And the world is not so easily convinced by some little talk that I'm giving before I go to bed. (laughs) So your marketing has to fight the stubbornness and what scientists call risk aversion. People don't want to change. If they've always been buying Tide detergent, they don't want to change to your laundry soap. If they've always been buying their, you know, food from Chipotle. Well, Chipotle's probably not a good example because <laughs> people will get motivated if the food makes you sick. Like Chipotle had this big food poisoning scandal. So even uh, there is one thing that will motivate people to change and not be stubborn, food, sick- food poisoning. <laughs> that That'll convince you. But anyway, your marketing like LeVar Ball said, if it comes from this superpower place, this deep, deep, deep rooted sense of what uniquely differentiates you, that sometimes is enough to make humans drop their stubbornness, to drop their aversion to risk, and to say yes to whatever you're trying to sell. Don't forget that. You're fighting an uphill battle, and that's why marketing is for smart people. And you must be smart whether you have a job and you're just going to market yourself for a raise, whether you're launching a new business and you need investors or business partners, whether you're dating and you want to find the best possible person to date, that's marketing. Don't think these Tinder profiles aren't people marketing. Men and women are ain't putting their worst picture up. They're putting their best one. That's marketing. But it's got to be deeper than that. And Levar Ball is somebody that's pierced through and actually spoken to enough people, about hundred million people know his name and that's hard to do. So anyway, I guess this is the end of the diary for today. Thanks for being a subscriber to the show. Check out my new show, the Bitcoin one. Trust me, even if it sounds stupid to you, learn watch and learn what's going on always be hyper curious the hyper curious do a lot of badass things they do a lot in this world they change the world they innovate it's the curious that inherit the world so all right talk to you later go to bed